0: Hey, everyone. Hi. Before we get started this week, just a quick request for you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Do it. And now the episode. Hello. Hi. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies. We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they may be even better for adults. Yeah. This week, The Dark Lord of Deck Home by Diana Wynne-Jones. This is a very special episode, as so many are, because it is a listener request from uh, my friend Tim. (laughs) He made this request uh, via email after a wedding, so whether you know me or not, we accept requests gladly. We love doing them. Uh, Please get in touch at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com or just hit us up on our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com. This book was published in 1998. Mm. It is one that I loved very much when I was young, um, and today, who would have thought? <laughs> Just a spoiler ahead: this is the conclusion that we come to in every single Dragon Babies episode. If yes. you're a new listener, we're <laughs> this like, this is not a hey, new thing. We still love this. What? <laughs> uh, yes, <yeah, so laughs> welcome if you are new. <laughs> um, so, what we like to do is kind of a marketing breakdown of how the publisher chose to package the story um, and promote it to the general public. And then mm-hmm. also kind of a discussion of how how we felt about the cover yeah. when we were young and how we feel about it today. So Madeline, would you like to take it away?
1: Absolutely. So cover first. Uh, there is Diana Wynne-Jones, Dark Lord of Durkholm in Uh, gothic fantasy script. Yeah, it's great. It's red with a black outline and it's great. Yeah, it's really great. I want that on my tombstone in color.
0: (laughs) You want your tombstone to say Diana (laughs) Wynne-Jones? Yes. (laughs) Why not? I know. I'd be like, well, uh, I'd like to pretend to be Diana Wynne-Jones. Yeah, sure. Um, It
1: says a tour de force, Publishers Weekly, starred review. (laughs) And uh, the picture is, it's a Painting? It looks like a watercolor. Like watercolor. Yeah. Um, of the scene in the book where Kit specifically is getting fired at by the soldiers. Because um, there are actually arrows being shot at him. Mm-hmm. While pretending to be <clears throat> the Dark Lord. Because he uses his magic to project the shadowy presence that is the Dark Lord over Atop him. On top of his back. Yeah, and
0: he looks very scary. <laughs> but also like a sweetie. The funny thing about this cover is that... This book is a parody of high fantasy, but the cover is pure high yeah, fantasy. And yeah. it doesn't actually hint at any of the humor that's contained within or the fact exactly. that this is all a farce. It looks like a real battle. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably part of the difficulty of marketing this story. Um, and I remember... It's much was, more like a Terry Pratchett book. It, it basically is. I thought yeah. that constantly while it, I was reading it. feels reading like, it, like it's set in Discworld. Yeah. 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 Which um, I loved. Oh, yeah, of course. This yeah. book is absolutely incredible. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm not saying any of this as a... But she
1: was doing majority. a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that like she was ripping him off or anything. It, it's just
0: her her take on using that tone and approach mm-hmm. to fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll talk more about this, but she has a few other books that are more specifically just spoofs of fantasy stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is, this is my favorite. This is, I just think this is one of her best books. It's a and really that's... good book. saying a lot <laughs> considering that like so many of her books are my absolute favorites mm-hmm. of all literature. Yeah. Um, But what I was going to say is, as a kid, I owned this book for a while, but it took me a bit to read it, even though I already knew I loved Hell's Moving Castle Mm -hmm. and the Crestomancy books, um, because it looks kind of intimidating. It is intimidating, yeah. And it's a long book. It is, um, and it just it just looks uh, very austere and serious. And I remember thinking like, "That's a Diana Wynne Jones book." Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting choice. To it's go a really cool painting. Sparring. It is. It's
1: just yeah. It doesn't say anything about the the. And it's also clearly made
0: for the story, as opposed to being something that was repurposed or like you know different images that were kind of designed to work but Mm -hmm. weren't specifically made for the story so i always love that so would you like to read the back of the book yes the back of the book and we should admit now that i I thought you were gonna bring it up (laughs) i can't find my cop my childhood copy it's in our mom's garage somewhere um so we are just reading from the the ebook yes Mr. Chesney operates
1: Pilgrim Parties, a tour group that takes paying participants into an outer realm where the inhabitants play frightening and foreboding roles. The time has come to end the staged madness, but can it really be stopped? Master storyteller Diana Wynne-Jones serves up twists and turns, introduces Carita, Dirk, Blade, and Shona, and a remarkable cast of wizards, soldiers, kings, dragons, and griffins mixes in a lively dash of humor. With all the ingredients of high fantasy, this unforgettable novel will delight fans
0: old and new. Okay, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, It also is a lot more straightforward than the story really is, but I think that's only natural. And I'm totally okay with
1: short and not spoilery things on the back of books. To me, this is
0: totally... Sure. Of course. I was just going to say, I think I've been a little spoiled by, we've done a few Terry Pratchett books in the last couple of months. and I feel like he writes them himself or something. Yeah, whoever writes the blurbs for those does a stellar job Mm -hmm. um, of communicating the actual nature Mm -hmm. of the writing in addition to key plot points that intrigue you but don't give too much away. So, Yeah. yeah, just... The hats off to whoever mm-hmm. that person is yeah for sure so now we will spoil the plot um spoilers ahead obviously it goes without saying for anyone who hasn't read the book in a while or who might be new to it but uh it's just a loyal podcast listener <laughs> and if that's you we appreciate you this book concerns a fantasy world that is connected to our own through some kind of portal And the world's been overrun by the tourism industry. Um, There is a foul creature named Mr. Chesney, who is from our world. And brings through parties called pilgrim parties of tourists who are interested in, as far as we can tell, having a full high fantasy adventure. Seems awful. It sounds like an actual nightmare. The tours sound awful. It's very Westworld-y, but like after... Okay, Never mind, I'm not going to talk, <laughs> talk about this for anyone who might be in season one of Westworld right now Never for some reason. But after things go off the rails, so I'll say that much. Um, uh oh. Oh no, things are going to, something bad's going to happen in an <laughs> HBO drama. <laughs> <laughs> so surprised. Um, and it's, this process is, incredibly violent for both the tourists and the denizens of the fantasy world um they I mean, it takes a huge toll on the denizens a huge toll on their livelihood their farmland their villages their lives um i think mr chesney says at the end like
1: mm-hmm. it's not a real world i just turned it into a theme park and that's why these people have identities
0: yeah yeah He's really cool. <laughs> In case you couldn't he tell. He is the, uh, my pick for badass lady of the <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Chesney. <laughs> Mr. Chesney. He is the Feminist number icon. one. <laughs> Mr. Chesney.
1: Mr.
0: Chesney. <laughs> Women can't do magic. <laughs> they just have to seduce people. Oh and all of you are expendable because you're false humans. Yeah.
1: And he calls sentient animals well sentient beings of any kind monsters mm-hmm. yeah if they're not human he's the number one evil capitalist overlord oh like, god
0: he really period. is there's such a great um dismissal of capitalism throughout yeah, this, this is book, an anti-capitalist book it's yeah. very into it um anyway this has been going on for 40 years the pilgrim parties and the people of the fantasy world have had enough so they are trying to figure out a way to put them, put the parties to a stop. Mr. Chesney has a demon on his side, which does his bidding and essentially enforces anything that he wants to happen. But he is keeping it captive. It's not he's like keeping, exactly. With him. He's keeping the demon captive. He's captured the elf king's brother. He has all kinds of secret deals with different races. Um, all where he has the upper hand. Keeping everyone enthralled through a series of deceptions, and at the same time profiting massively off of the destruction of their world. And we learn throughout the book that he's also sounds familiar. Yeah, I was just (laughs) gonna say, "Hmm." yeah. Um, And throughout, by the end of the book, we also learn that he's actively mining magic away from the world to use for um, like high power energy in ours. Uh, It's basically a. It's an like analog for a fossil fuel but
1: the bad effect comes on their world and not in the world where they're using them yeah because it them. just gets used up but the yeah. they're taking the magic away
0: yep so the world's losing magic everything's getting messed up the um, dragons are angry dragons are pissed <laughs> really really upset as they should be mm-hmm. um And we'll talk more about those dragons later because it's been a while since we've had some good dragons. So many dragons in in this book. So many dragons. Um, We spend most of the book with a wizard named Dirk and his family members his wife Mara, his human children, uh, Shona and Blade, and then his griffin children. um, Let me see if I can name them all right now Kit, Lita, Colette. I don't know how to say her name, Colette. Eldra, Elda, D- Elda, and Don. Don. <laughs> and I love that his <laughs> name is just Don. And Don is like the more straightforward, yeah. just like chill dude, mm-hmm. who just kind of does what people yeah. ask him to and is like athletic. He's like the Sandy and Dennis from the Wrinkle and Time Oh my gosh, you're right. You're totally right. They're of like, this family. Yeah, where everyone else is dude. like super <laughs> extraordinary. And then it's like, and Don. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Don, come on over. He's, he's still a griffin, to he be is.
1: fair. He is, yeah. And it's... I it's important to note that those are the they're all on human level of sentience mm-hmm. and in terms of if you want to think about that the human rights they are owed and mm-hmm. then there are talking and animals they're made from DNA from right. their mm-hmm. mom and dad yeah so they are they're literally family mm-hmm. cuz Dirk also breeds a lot of animals some of whom are also have various levels of sentience but nothing horses friendly
0: cows yeah. flying pigs i love the invisible pigs. cats oh my sarcastic gosh. geese oh the geese are amazing i love them all um and, and carnivorous sheep but we don't talk about <laughs> no. i do love the carnivorous sheep too because they're tiny who basically and become like a force of evil yes. all in their own right after they break loose and just like terrorize the countryside oh my
1: gosh i can't remember what like God, there's gotten, book gotten is complaints outrageous. about tiny mean it so sheep much. attacking people. <laughs> I love it so much. Um again, very discworld. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's, but it's so
0: discworld. Mm.
1: What I was getting at there is just saying like there's a difference between members of his family despite what kind of being they are and then other beings mm-hmm. that
0: he that are in his um coterie. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um Yeah. So Dirk is assigned the Dark Lord for this year's round of pilgrim parties, who has to be the ultimate evil force that everyone's warned about throughout their journeys. And then at the end, he's supposed to tower above them and frighten them, but then be easily defeated by being thrown into a ditch. Honestly, yeah. He has to beg them to throw him into the ditch. Because they're they're wusses. Honestly,
1: I think that given what he was working with, Dirk does a bang up job. Like, I think he's And his really, entire family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone is doing his so children. well, given the fact that Karita is actively trying to undermine everything because she thinks that's the right way to get the tours to end. But she really coldly
0: takes advantage of Durkin and his entire family. Yeah, she's awful. Yeah. She was the... Um, just to try to put this back in summary mode. <laughs> she was the previous... Um, Seductive enchantress. She was always the enchan- enchantress um, yeah. Who is another one of the like main cast roles that is doled out for the different mm-hmm. pilgrim parties. And she's like a president of wizards or something. Yeah, she's right? involved with the
1: university. Yeah. Um some kind of head honcho.
0: So all at once in this year uh of which we experience like a few months worth of action, I think. I think so, yeah. Um, well, pilgrim parties, I think they said they last for like 70 to 90 days. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like three months. Um, different factions are trying to put a stop to them in their own ways yeah. and like not all communicating super well <laughs> yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. But in the end, um, they are successful. Uh, without and we none of the main characters die, which I was no. really impressed by because this is a very really violent book, which yeah, we will book talk is about. Real, it's pretty disturbing. Which is
1: funny to say about a book like this with so many fantasy elements, but things yeah. get very real.
0: Yeah, that's the thing because it keep you know because we keep referencing Discworld, but it doesn't feel like the Disc in that there's really serious and grave consequences for all the follies that are taking place. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, it's just all follies. They do in the end defeat Mr. Chesney. The gods, you <laughs> literally have a Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> the gods, yeah, the gods pop up, but they're like, like, now that you've asked for help, we'll help you. Yeah, the gods have been referenced throughout the book because mm-hmm. Mr. Chesney decided that this year, just to crank everything up a notch, a god has to manifest for each party, and everyone's like, and the Do you understand what a god is? Yeah. Um, and in the end, the gods decide, okay, these people really need help. How has this been going
1: on for 40 years? Well, they manifest because the people are trying to help themselves now. Yes. So then yeah. they get help from the universe, which is a great lesson. It is a
0: great lesson. Mm-hmm. And they uh, imprison Mr. Chesney and the little orb that he was keeping his demon in. And Barnabas gets eaten by the blue demon. Yeah, Barnabas, who's a bad guy who has two-timing everybody, pretending to be a good wizard but actually helping Mr. Chesney. tries to kill Dirk. Yeah. Um, he He gets demonized. <laughs> it's disturbing. It's all laid up, and uh that's it. Happy ending, yes, um, things come to a surprisingly swift and <laughs> satisfying conclusion. and I learned that there's actually a sequel to this book oh, really? um, called Year of the Griffin that is about Elda going for her magical education oh. um and uh then other characters um that that weren't present in dark lord of dark home cool um but yeah i I hadn't read that and i'd like to um i it's so fascinating revisiting these stories now because we have the power of the internet as opposed to you being children and Mm. like sewing floats into your life through the school library or the you know, public library or like the mm-hmm. scholastic book fair, or something you borrowed from a friend yeah. um, or something you just found somewhere. Right. And or
1: stole. Yeah. Like a teacher had it on their little bookshelf and you took it home and never gave exactly. it back. Yeah. Exactly. I have
0: quite a few of those still floating We've around. We've discussed, <laughs> discussed our book thieving ways before. Um, and, uh, you know, you would consume it and love it and then be like, well, okay. That's it. Moving on. Yeah. There's really no way to gain a larger understanding. Except, yeah, the only thing that
1: I would do is I remember like if mom would take us to Borders, then I would yeah, try then you and could find have a more comprehensive that book
0: collection. so that I could
1: see if there were other ones. And sometimes it was like the most amazing thing ever, finding mm-hmm. out that this book that you loved was part of a series. Oh, yeah. And then sometimes you'd just find the one book on a shelf between two other series and be like, nope, there is no more. That's <laughs> okay. it.
0: That's it. Um. So let's talk old and new impressions. I never read read this book before. (laughs) That you didn't (laughs) didn't read this.
1: I remember it though. I could talk about that. I remember it on your bookshelf. Okay, (laughs) I'll just I'll just go first since I've yeah I haven't read this book before. Similar to what you were saying when we were discussing the title, I remember seeing it on your bookshelf and being like, "Oh, this looks scary." I actually, I think I thought it was one of Mom's books like an adult fantasy book, not a, a YA fantasy book because it, it looks more like that. It's really thick. It's got mm-hmm. the scary illustration on the front. Um, and that's probably why I never read it is because I thought it was like too adult for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed it so much though. I was really happy that all the evil people got their comeuppance, um, which I mean, that's a big part of why I like fantasy so much uh it's because that's that's typically what happens is the bad guys lose and the good guys win and the bad guys are so bad that you don't have to feel any empathy for them uh you know very straightforward
0: mm-hmm.
1: but this book is so much fun and i love all of like th- this book loves animals yeah. so much and not in a flowery way it's very real about the fact that animals eat each other and that humans eat animals, but at the same time being really just Wonderful to animals and mm-hmm. portraying them, and the flying pigs we get are an my actual favorite. Uh,
0: a character whose whole purpose is to protect horses. Yeah. <laughs> at one point.
1: yeah, um, and cool. she gets pissed because people are mistreating the horses. So she yeah. just and so
0: many horses are dying back. The
1: tours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she just takes all the horses back, and then no one has any horses. The end. <laughs> yeah. Um and the characters are really great and i i really felt each of their own individual struggles all the way from <laughs> the jerk geese all the way up to scales the the dragon king who mm. almost died because he was sick and like sleeping for hundreds of years and almost kills dirk and then gets healed and dirk gets healed so that's okay um yeah I really, really enjoyed this book and I loved how it ended in Diana Wynne-Jones fashion with all this like jovial kerfluffle know, and back and forth. showing up together and, and being yeah. like, let's have a feast. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, I, I love the Howl's Moomy Castle ends mm-hmm. in a really similar yeah. way. Yeah, and it's a really similar. Yeah, and I just,
0: I love it. So this one was really interesting for me to reread um, because... I have always loved this book, uh, but I found, it, I found it much more serious and much more disturbing rereading it as an adult um, than when I was a child. And we've talked about this kind of um, sobering reread experience before with some of the other books that we've covered. Because you don't um, have as much of a grasp on what the stakes actually mean as a child. Partly that, also partly having a better understanding of the parallels between mm. the parody and sure. between problems in our own world. Yeah, um, and I think given our current political climate, if um, you're if
1: you're an American listening to this, our
0: government is currently mostly shut down for a made-up reason. Yeah, the long now officially the longest yeah. shutdown in American history ever, um, with no end in sight. No, so. I also, having my own feelings now about (laughs) capitalist overlords, um, it's really horrifying seeing what Mr. Chesney has been doing for 40 years, which is an important thing that I think I didn't grasp when I was young, too. It felt like, okay, yeah, this is happening, but like they fixed it. Yay. But for some people in this world, this has been their life. life. This is all that they can remember. Mm -hmm. And they're not even getting... They don't get to do anything real. Like how can they even get satisfaction out of their meaning for existence? Mm-hmm. Because it's all false. It's and all they're a theme park. Exactly. They they're in a living theme park and Okay, I, I have to reference Westworld because it's so weirdly similar to this and I feel like they almost like ripped it off a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, so if you're like watching season one of Westworld right now, spoilers, Put your fingers in your
1: ears and go la 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 um, la la. For la. like
0: a minute. Um, or just skip
1: ahead. In and that do show...
0: That. It's a world that's populated by robots who have been created to seem like real people. But the robots gain sentience and start to understand that they are being forced to just go through the same motions over and over again. And some of them have to relive incredibly traumatic events over and over and over again. Like there's one who has to watch her child being murdered again and again. Um, and I don't then, think
1: I could watch this show.
0: I don't think you would <laughs> like it. It's an amazing show, but it's a very difficult to watch um and they start to try to figure out a way to break free um and this just had a lot of the same beats honestly um in terms of people having to go through with these false battles and like maybe they'll survive but maybe not and they're not robots they can't be just like reprogrammed and fixed and Mm -hmm. then sent to do it again um they're real people and other and animals and other races Um, but they just they're all slaves essentially and there are ridiculous terms in the contract that Mr. Chesney holds over them like the fact that if they don't fulfill every single one of his demands which can change at every any time no one will be paid for the entire year and that money is all the their economy has to go on because they're in total thrall to him exactly because they can't actually farm for themselves or practice any of their trades outside of what they just have to do for the Yeah. So it's really sad. (laughs) And I actually was like, the first half of the book was kind of hard for me um, on reread. And then things like pick up and get more fun (laughs) in the second half. Uh, Once, it's clear that Dirk and Blade and Shona and all the Griffins actually do have their own agency and, like, they're going to be able to affect some mm-hmm. kind of change. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just really interesting because it is, at its, on its surface, a funny, fun premise. And it is a funny and fun book. Um, you know, just that there's this, like, fantasy world but it's a theme park and unwitting tourists come through it and have you know a silly high fantasy adventure um but and again i just their adventure is so so miserable yeah they sound awful it's basically just like yeah, trudging get, around in the rain um so while like monsters attack them camping to the power of a hundred yeah, it's not for metal <laughs> We discussed her dislike of camping on our last episode, was it? Hogfather? I don't know. I'm always down to talk about why I hate camping. (laughs) But anyway, what I was going to say is that Diana Wynne-Jones really takes that premise through to a realistic conclusion, which is this kind of thing couldn't and wouldn't be happening unless human rights abuses were being committed. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not just the, again, not a strange concept for any earthling. If you're paying attention, if anyone has a certain amount of power, they're going to be abusing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not just dangerous for the denizens of the fantasy world. It's for the tourists too. Some of them are marked as expendable, which means that they are are supposed supposed to die, be murdered during their tour. And and it's seemingly. not the people that have asked to die that are dying, it's their like relatives. Yeah, they've they've had like hits put out on yeah, them. they're being paid to murder people. Um, really odd. And that also is brought to a realistic conclusion because in the final pilgrim party it's, it's
1: revealed. There's some police. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. filled
0: with like detectives yeah. and officials who are like Clearly, there are some issues. There are hundreds of people going missing every year from these from a tourist attraction. Yeah, like, we need to figure out what's going on and here. Mr. And Chesney right tries to brush
1: it off as being like, "You need to talk yeah, to my talk lawyers." Talk to my lawyers, but then it doesn't matter because he gets in, imprisoned in a sphere. So screw you, Mr. Chesney. Yeah, talk to that lawyer. <laughs> yeah, funny. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. So uh, all of that is to say. I think this book is so amazing and I think it's really special. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very strange. It's very smart. I almost think this book could be like required school reading
1: yeah, because of all of the you have themes to, be thoughtful. to
0: discuss. Yeah, you really have to be thoughtful about your own place and your own history yeah. after reading something like mm-hmm. this. And also then just thinking about like colonialism. Yeah, um, exactly. And so many other related... Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm <laughs> too much, Madeline. No, totally, Dark Lord of Holm has done it. <laughs> <laughs> it's broken Grace <laughs> is tapping out. <laughs> Something else interesting about this book that I didn't think about too much as a child is the more scientific way that the like genetic modification is handled um, hmm. in Dirk's work, creating different kinds of animals. Mm-hmm. Like he actually says that he's taking cells. From yeah. different um, mm-hmm. sources, and so it's much more scientific. Yeah, it's than more just sci-fi like, it's than magic. fantasy. Yeah. Right? It's not magic. No, um, it's not. Although he uses magic, in, and he talks when it's he's an thinking through of the process. Because Dirk's coping mechanism <laughs> for a lot of the book, when he's feeling completely overwhelmed by having the Dark Lord role thrust upon him and by everything that he has to do, is. To start imagining the creature that he is going to create next. Um, Mm -hmm. And he goes through a lot of different iterations and in the end decides that he wants to make a flying human with his wife. (laughs) And she's like, okay. (laughs) Which is
1: basically, I mean, if you've got human children and griffin children, like that's very, that's just a meeting of the two. No, exactly. Yeah.
0: (laughs) A logical, within his
1: comfort zone.
0: Yeah. And I also like the way that the, um results of these experiments you know it's not painted in a creepy like they're wrong sort of way the Griffins are told again and again how beautiful they are and yeah. everyone's like lusting after them yeah, everybody because they loves the Griffins <laughs> yeah and they do I mean they are. So wonderful. And it is a testament to Diana Wynne Jones's craft that she can have, what, five young griffins in a book and they're each these really clear, distinct personalities. Um, And you very quickly pick up on that. Uh, for a book with a ton of characters, like a ton of characters, it, mm-hmm. it's not difficult keeping them straight. Since we're, since this
1: seems to be the track we're going down, should we label
0: this animals, 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 like animals in, in this, this book. book? Yeah, you kind of already did during your old new impressions, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I want to go like again and talk about the flying pigs oh that God. I love so much because they're so sweet. And they're very and we, oh, pig-like.
0: With wings, and we get a Diana Wynne Jonesian um, trademark, which is having a quotation or aphorism from our world making its way into a fantasy yeah. one and becoming important mm-hmm. because and it being really fun. When the Elf King first sees the flying pigs, he's like struck with complete horror and the other elves are all cracking up and like rolling around and then, and then he, they're hugging
1: each other because they're, they're excited. so because yeah he
0: prophesied that he would see his brother again when pigs fly yes <laughs> um yeah. it's just
1: really fun and yeah. the pigs are like really they're very pig like because they're like super friendly and snuffly and mm-hmm. just hanging out and they can fly <laughs> like they
0: break the roof because they all can Get up on it's it. they all hanging out, looking in, trying to see what's going on during the, uh, the Britain conference with yeah, Mr. Chesney.
1: Yeah. Um, I love the friendly cows and the invisible cats. <laughs> just like he doesn't know where any of them are because now they're all just gone. Because <laughs> <laughs> they got out through the walls. Yeah, yeah. And I love the geese that he bred to be able to speak. But since they're geese, they choose to only jeer. <laughs>
0: Yeah and they they don't they can understand humans but they don't choose to speak they to them but they can communicate them. perfectly amongst each other and they become like a deadly force
1: and then they like are it cuz it sounds like they save kits life but um, i think the man with them is the, well, he was the the god, god right yeah, yeah. The god. so yeah. they become like god, god
0: creature yeah <laughs> So good. (laughs) Oh, it's really great. Uh, And there are, you know, normal animals too who are just as special, like the mm -hmm, dogs and the horses, um, both of whom are really benign and helpful forces. Um, And yeah, I love that the griffins, there's no question that they're siblings to. Dirk and Mara's human mm-hmm. children, yeah. um, and that they all call them mom and dad, uh, and are Clearly loved in the same way yeah. that the human children are. A lot of um, other people don't
1: understand it, but within the family, it is very well understood.
0: Yeah, and I, I think there's a line near the end when Blade is seeing everyone back together, and they're all like rejoicing. They're and doing the Gryphon Dance. They're doing the Gryphon <laughs> Dance. That's so incredible. And Blade is like, and to think I used to feel like we didn't have like f- a family feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like at the beginning of the book, Blade is so embroiled in his own insecurities and like very selfish concerns about. Teen angst, not being allowed to go to university. Um, yeah, and watching watching him grow up is uh, very satisfying too. Mm-hmm. Throughout the book, um, yeah. sometimes even being made to seem older than he really is when he's supposed to look like a wizard. Oh my gosh,
1: and Everett is cute. He's
0: just He, he gives, gives himself a beard, um, and his robes are way too huge and yeah, everyone's and like, absurd, young man, what are you doing? Because he's a fourteen year old kid with a giant
1: beard.
0: The <laughs> girl tries to kiss him and he goes, Wizards are forbidden. From kissing. <laughs> also really amazing it really reminds me of um <gasps> it reminds me of michael from House moving castle oh to, totally michael, um, and specifically the miyazaki michael yeah rope and beard oh my gosh you're totally right <laughs> <really> cute. Uh, <laughs> super cute um, okay um
1: and uh, we can talk more about the dragons because the dragons are they're not animals they're magical creatures um but the main dragon that we get to spend time with, it seems like it's going to be a different dragon, but then she just kind of like...
0: Yeah, there's a decoy dragon at the beginning. Yeah, Um, She's kind of a like... Yeah, she's a decoy. Yeah, I'm trying to... What's the Dragon King's actual name? Ducalion? I think it's Ducalion. Yeah. Um, But we're we're known to him, or he's known to us, of scales for most of the book. He tells um, everyone to call him scales. And he shows up in a mad rage. Because um, he woke up after 300 years. And he's, he's like, really confused. what is going on? <laughs> what is Mr. Chesney? Yeah. Like, why is everyone doing this inane nonsense? Yeah. Um, and he's also been... Depleted of necessary vitamins, which dragons in this world gain from gold. gold, And they haven't been allowed to have enough gold because Mm -hmm. Mr. Chesney wants it all for himself. And he wants, I think, to keep the dragons in a kind of half unconscious state um, so that he doesn't have to deal with them. Mm -hmm. And Scales almost kills Dirk in a pretty upsetting scene it's really upsetting Um, he gets severely burned the other book we've read that has gone into the same kind of detail about dragon burns is the hero in the crown Mm. um and that's more difficult because then erin has to she has to heal herself heal herself alone in the wilderness um, by lying in a river yeah (laughs) it's
1: horrible um the dragon helps to heal Dirk.
0: Yeah, he, Dirk has help from everyone, really, yeah. um, and he's put into a healing coma. Uh, but I, I just love the part where he is in a in a healing coma, and everyone else is like, "Oh my god, we have such an incredible amount of work to do to attempt to set up for this pilgrim party." And this sense, sets the main internal conflict into swing because. Karita is trying to mess up all the pilgrim parties, yeah. and no one in Dirk's family other than Mara knows this. And she's also had a spell put on her by Karita, so she's not very aware of anything. Karita's a sociopath. Yeah, she's bad. Um, and meanwhile, all of Dirk and Mara's children are like, okay, we gotta do our best. <laughs> they work so hard to make everything function properly. Um, but they're like beset at every turn, not just by the difficulty and impossibility of the task, but by but the because they're being good actively, characters trying yeah. to thwart them. Yeah. Um, it, honestly, like a lot of this book reminded me of some of the worst jobs I've ever- <laughs> 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 I um Immediately after college, I worked at the Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle. Put the name out there, huh? Well, I'm not going to say the company that I worked for because it was a private company. But I managed the food services. Stop! (laughs) I managed. I didn't. I don't have a contract with them. I managed the food (laughs) services at Woodland Park Zoo, and um, every day was like the experience that Blade and Shona have in this book. Obviously, my life wasn't at risk, except for the time when a lion escaped.
1: <laughs> Wait, what?
0: <laughs> Where did it he just, go? As I was saying it, I was like, oh, no, I actually can't say that. Like, there were times when I what, feared for did my Did they lion. close the zoo? Um, yeah, so... It Where was, did he go? Uh, so there was a lion that they... We're moving from one area to another. Um, inside like who the, dropped the ball? Inside the lion <laughs> enclosure. And it was during the winter when like there really aren't that many people at the zoo. Yeah. Um and oh, so not and that, in that many people of, got eaten by a lion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, moral of the story is Seattle <laughs> only lost like five zoo. <laughs> no, everyone was fine. Um, just suddenly on my radio there were just screams of code red in, code red in, and I was like I don't even know what that means, but I think that we should probably like seal off the buildings. And um... what did you, what was your hunch? Did you think it was like an attack or something? No, I thought it was who would, something. Who would bomb a zoo. I thought it was something to do with an animal because it was like a rainy day in February and like right. in Seattle in the winter, no one goes to the Woodland yeah, Park Zoo it's, because it's, it's almost completely outdoors yeah. as well. There are very mm-hmm. few. It was one of the it was one of the country's first natural habitat zoos, so like everything feels very um, very open, it's out mostly outdoors, um, and we brought all the guests inside like the main restaurant area and oh, wouldn't okay. let them leave. And, uh, oh,
1: that must've been ugly. It
0: was also like closing time. So everyone was really oh, just frustrated and the people wanted to go home. Um, and we just had to wait. At what point uh, did you find out what it meant? Uh, a little ways in when, um, cause you had to tell zoo, the people. Yeah. Why cause a, were a zoo employee called, called and, um, like told me what was happening and that that's what we should do. Um, and they pretty quickly, like the lion stayed inside the lion enclosure, but was out of the cage, like was out of the area that the lions are supposed to be in. So it was like the lion building, Got it. but not the actual enclosure. Um, (laughs) I wonder if I'm like not
1: supposed to talk about this, but no, did you ever sign a non-disclosure then? No, no. Yeah.
0: Um, Anyway, (laughs) non-disclosure agreement, not to discuss any escaped zoo animals. Exactly. I had my adventures there, but the bigger thing was like the impossibility of the tasks that I was supposed to carry out with like very little training, almost no understanding of what was happening. And then suddenly like, okay, you have to coordinate like this con, this outdoor concert that will have like 2000 people in attendance plus a hundred person staff who's selling food throughout the entire zoo, like someone traveling carts, someone standing restaurants um, while also making sure everyone has supplies while also putting in the order for tomorrow's soda and Dippin' Dots and like hot dogs, like stuff that if we didn't have it, people would (laughs) riot in the walkways um, all while Uh. try like dealing with a million little moment to moment crises that were like, popping up um this book really reminded me of that the moral of
1: this story is be nice to zoo employees
0: yes that is the moral of the story um yeah and i think the theme park environment helped kind of Mm, remind me of it too where it's like oh and you have to throughout like be making sure that everyone's having a really good time um and i think that uh that's one reason why it probably stressed me out quite a bit more as an adult to read it than as a kid. Now I've, I've felt that response. Okay. Yeah. It all, Dirk sleeping also reminded me of when I was a camp junior counselor and I was really sick one day and I went to take a nap at the health center. And when I woke up, another counselor was like sitting there staring at me with kind of crazy eyes and I was like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> And she was like, okay, I'll I'll just, for this, I will just use fake names, which was like, um, so Bob got caught buying alcohol and cigarettes for some of the (gasps) 14-year-olds. So How old was Bob? He was, like, in his mid-20s. 14-year-olds? And she was like, so Bob is fired, and Shannon said she's also leaving because he's leaving. Um, And then... (sighs) Oh, it's hard to come up with fake names. Fred um, was like also involved in something relating to like illegal things that he was giving to somebody. So he's also going. So we're now three counselors short and you have to have your own cabin, even though you're not even not even a full counselor yet. How old were you? 17. Oh my um, and yeah, it just felt like dark in that moment. Waking oh up my God. and being like, oh, boy. <laughs> how many kids... Wait, how old were your kids again? I had the youngest girls' cabin. Um, so they were between that, six and nine. Um, were they terrible yet? Oh, my God. They were the absolute worst. Yes, okay. They were horrible. Yeah. Of Little every, girls are the worst. <laughs> no, of every age group and gender <gasps> that I had at camp, that group of girls was... The absolute worst. They were so horrible to one another. They would spend, because this camp was all summers, they would spend weeks coming up with ways to like isolate and bully whoever it was. I remember because I was wanted. in that
1: cabin like three times and I was never singled out and bullied. And I think this specific group was also, it had like this one one girl who was a particularly awful person. Right. And some years it was better than others. There was actually my very first year, actually all of the girls were nice. But in the years succeeding, there wasn't, there were some mean girls, um, but luckily I was never bullied and I was always neutral. Like I would always be like, Oh, guys i think we should be nicer like we should and luckily that never got me fully (laughs) that's good yeah there was one time we (laughs) when we went on a camping trip and over half of the kids left they just left because they were angry that there were canvas tents and that we were all soaked and cold and they just (laughs) walked away And our counselors, I think they were having total meltdowns because they were like, okay, so we lost like six.
0: One of them didn't go with the kids? Ten-year-old girls. No, the
1: kids just left. Where were you? Oh, oh, one of the um, the CITs went with the
0: kids. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so
1: funny. We were just in the middle of the woods. We hiked for like three three miles to get out there and the kids went like to the road yeah. and then wa- started walking I, re- along I actually remember road. that
0: happening yeah. yeah
1: and I was one of the only people that didn't leave because they didn't tell me about it because they knew I wouldn't go with them yeah. and so we just had scrambled pancakes while the other counselor there was like having a
0: nervous breakdown <laughs> yeah um <laughs> Yeah, the thing about that camp was like it was really dependent on the, the people that happened to be around you at the yeah. time. And like when mm-hmm. I, when all the time I was there, like all my cabins, when I was working there, all the counselors, I had such a good experience because mm-hmm. everyone was really amazing. But then yeah. there were also bad people for sure. And if there were enough of them, oh, okay. Just like the
1: soldiers in black in this book. Soldiers.
0: <laughs> That's Speaking of bad like people, really that upsetting. yeah, and it's really, it's really upsetting on a lot
1: of different levels. Yeah,
0: um, and Shona is assaulted by them, um, and the only thing and there's a moment when
1: Scales is a healer, and the only thing he can do for Shona is to make it seem like it was a long time ago, which yeah. is a very tiny little point, but it's actually. That's true. That's the only thing that makes mm. Assault better.
0: Yeah, that was such a poignant moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scales is admitting his own sort of failure and saying, like, I can't take this away, yeah. but I can put distance mm-hmm. between it and your you know, current like, memories and emotions. Yeah. Um, it's awful. And then she has to continue to be around them for mm-hmm. so much more of the book. Yeah. Um yeah, the soldiers are all prisoners um who have committed like horrible crimes. So they're just like meant to be corralled into like, I don't I don't understand how that ever worked any of the other years. I mean, clearly well, this year things went much more year, wrong. This year all of the don't the camp domes were weakened. Right, but I mean how would, and how they, did they ever follow any instructions well, like they have to leave the domes and fight and like be in the fake battles and right stuff. but it sounds like in the past there are also better s-
1: spells on them mm. yeah. to yeah, keep yeah, that's them true. in line the spells were yeah and barnabas messes oh my god the barnabas all up. i
0: yeah there are a lot of um bad people in this book it's interesting because ultimately it is um i don't know you could say that the the conflict at some points is very straightforward. Like, it's like, okay, we know like Mr. Chesney bad. Like we got to take him down. Mm -hmm. And then the denizens of the fantasy world are good. And they're trying to just like get back to their regular reality. Um, but then there's so many different splinterings within the fantasy world. Mm -hmm. And Barnabas is really horrible. Um, he seems to not care about anything. Like yeah. all he wants to do is well, drink. Well, all he cares about is his alcohol habit. Yeah. He's a really, um, really bad addict. He is. He's a toxic addict. And he doesn't spare a thought for the dangerous repercussions of everything that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um I can't believe he appeals to Dirk at the end and says, like, you're my friend. (laughs) What? He's put his entire family in mortal peril. He murdered his son for all that Barnabas knows knows at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's turning around to Dirk and being like, oh, I'm your friend. You know, that was very upsetting. I mean, Carita, as we've been discussing, is messed up. a big problem. Um, There's actually kind of an interesting... So there are a lot of sympathetic characters, but they're all children, is what I would say. I think Dirk is sympathetic. He becomes sympathetic. Yeah, but at if the beginning you, is less so. I really disliked him initially because mm, I felt okay. like he was the, the kind of man who's mm. saying, oh my gosh, woe is me. Like, I'm being forced to do this and I don't want to. Okay. I just want to go do my hobby of like mashing animals <laughs> <laughs> Wow. so <laughs> how you really feel, Grace. Well, I mean, he really starts off that way. Like, You're right. Like, will then, not confront the reality of what's happening. And then he's like, oh, my wife's ignoring me. And, yeah. like, granted, we learn that Mara was under a spell yeah. to ignore him. Yeah, so. But... She was also, it also seemed like that could have just been her rushing around trying to take care of things because he was so stymied
1: without his emotional support. Yeah,
0: I was just really irritated that after he's appointed Dark Lord, he's like, I just need to go be with my animals right now. And like, I can't think about this, but he becomes really effective yeah he works he really a hard lot. um he really changes i feel like that's one reason why skills kind of had to like char him within an inch of his life mm-hmm. um because he wakes up from that realizing like okay i have to actually be a part of this or my whole family it's at mm-hmm. risk yeah um and he does go into like a full-on depressive state
1: yeah but i mean i i i understood it
0: no i'm yeah i was saying by that by point, that point yeah. it makes sense mm-hmm. and he's but earlier yeah you're yeah. right he earlier on it, it i was well. just like yeah really frustrated but yeah no him. i was kind
1: of like yeah dude shut off the castle let all the pillars just sit out there and
0: complain like so what it, it and the visual of it is so funny just everyone out there like I want to fight the dark Lord and go home because <laughs> none of them can home home go home until they They're, get into they the, the castle. They have to complete that step to and then go then the through portal the portal opens yeah. for them. Yeah. That's where like some of the funniest moments come in and like just the specific tourists in, um, blades, pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah. Um, when he first shows up, I just, I I love the visual of him and his ridiculous beard and robes, and yeah. I was just looking out at everyone like, "Oh God, oh God!" Yeah, <laughs> and uh, some of them are, you know, there's like Mrs. or Mother Pool, Mother Pool, and Dad Pool, Dad
1: Mother and Dad so funny. <laughs> and uh, you know what? Honestly, I'm just thinking of this now, but as a new attorney. Um, I'm in my first year as a full practicing attorney uh, at a full practicing attorney job and I'm a woman who's been raised in you know this society and I totally feel like dark sometimes like a 14 year old wearing a beard trying to look like an actual wizard that's what I meant played
0: yeah Totally. Yeah. I I think that's... Imposter um, syndrome is very real. And it's those moments that also remind me of all these jobs. (laughs) Like, I know we... I'm going to leave it in. I know we had a long discussion about our past uh, experiences and, like, disastrously organized... Well, you know what? I also... structure I think it's relevant. But I do... Yeah, I do think so. And, like, this is a huge part of rereading these books and having new experiences from them, Mm -hmm. stemming from them as adults. Um, Like this is how we can immediately see how valuable this book is. Like it affected me in one really particular way as a child. Mm-hmm. And now it's affecting me adult. in a richer, like broader and yeah. honestly more intense and impactful way mm-hmm. um, as an adult. Also goes to show why I hate
1: camping so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Just that snapshot of 10 year old me yeah. eating uncooked like scrambled pancakes inside a wet yep. canvas tent
0: alone. <laughs> At least you were alone. At least there weren't like. No, because they all ran away. 20 wet kids packed in around you.
1: Well, there had been, there was like four or five kids in that little tiny canvas tent.
0: Okay, so I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> a lot I here we have this book has so much going on that uh yeah it's just i knew it was going to be a an expansive discussion um did you have something you wanted pretend food oh okay yeah yeah let's well, do that's what i want did you have something you want <laughs> pretend mm-hmm. food <laughs> yeah just like the um chanting of the people outside of yeah
1: and I love the pilgrims, pilgrims saying Citadel. like why are we waiting and then everyone else screaming pilgrims go home Pilgrims go and home. they can't
0: go home because they can't get in the castle I know I really like the like grassroots campaign <sighs> yes. the activism so that comes up of people just being like no pilgrims ban the tours every time they show up to go to the inn to start their trip yeah. can you imagine if you got to Disney World and there was someone with a sign outside that was like boo boo <laughs> <laughs> go away leave florida <laughs> it would be great honestly i would be into that yeah. um although yeah let's not start talking about disney right now i would be like yeah be, capitalism sucks i'd be a lot to say there too um but pretend food pretend food um diana and jones never lets us down Mm-mm. when it comes to pretend food um, And she certainly did not disappoint Mm-mm. with this book. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I just want like a sassy little <laughs> Madeline. Mm-mm. Yum, yum.
1: <laughs> pretend food. And uh, my very first, because this is tangentially related to pretend food, is that Dirk was so mad at the geese that he keeps asking, because they disappeared. They all disappeared. That he keeps asking the dwarves, hoping to hear that they're eating geese. <laughs> Because he hopes that the, he hopes that the geese dead. came
0: home and the dwarves ate them. <laughs> I love that that's the best possible outcome of that situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, we get the the joyful eating by and of so many different mm-hmm. creatures yeah. and races in this book. Um, and they're, I mean, my favorite, like for me, the standout are Lita's godlike creations Mm. like she her godlike snacks godlike and in addition to godlike snacks she starts having to make godlike dinner and godlike lunch for everyone who's just hanging out at the citadel waiting for dirk to show up yeah um and yeah i did feel for her in that moment because i love cooking but sometimes when there are periods where you're like cooking a lot over and over again you just feel like you never leave the kitchen um like at Christmas, it was really fun cooking for everyone, but it was mm-hmm. like a lot. Yeah, it was a lot, a lot. of cooking. I still have like, I, I have all these burns on my hands. Oh my God, Grace. <laughs> like the little scabs. Next time are we'll still just feeling. get like Boston Market.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I neither want nor will. Be doing also, I don't that. think you could
1: get Boston I don't market, think there's out here. market. I feel here. like that's a Midwest there. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, but she uh, she's an amazing cook, and then she also learns that she is a good traveler, too. And she was built for long distance. Yeah. Um, it's really cool to see the different griffins kind of overcoming the specific insecurities that they have at the start of the book, other than Don, who's just fine. <laughs> As we Don's just chilling. Right um, but... Colette learns that she is beautiful, even though she's not gold or black like her siblings.
1: And the way that she's just quietly happy and happy and accepting of it once she realizes it, you know, yeah. It's instead not of like she's like
0: trying to like to sh- shove it in everyone's like, faces, yeah. She's just like she it just gives her an inner self, yeah, power, yeah. Um, sort of knowing herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kit learns that he can harness and explore his magic. Yeah, he's Um, like
1: really a really powerful magic user.
0: Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, And also establishes more of a link that they're siblings. And Um, at the end, the
1: Dragon King tells Kit and Blade that he's going to teach them to do magic, and they're like,
0: okay. All right. (laughs) That's good. Um, But, you know, back to the food. Oh, yeah. So... Other standout moments. Um, There are some really fun feasts. A lot Um, of stale bread. A lot of stale bread. I love the inn where the guy's like, yeah, my wife left with all my kids (laughs) to join the Women Against Pilgrim Parties League. And stew is all I know how to make. So you're getting stew. It's got to be stew. And every time anyone's like, ew, he's like, eat your stew. (laughs) 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 It must be pretty gross. And it's so funny reading about fantasy stews because when I think of a stew I just automatically assume that it's delicious you know Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've had like a bad stew before but that's because because we've
1: never had stew at an inn in the
0: 1300s well exactly and to (laughs) me it's like saying you know it's probably the equivalent in our world of like pizza like there's so many different pizzas and like it's eaten all the time and it's readily available in like crummy forms Mm -hmm. but also in really nice forms it's not like stew (laughs) is a prominent food in our Mm -hmm. current culinary society Mm -hmm.
1: and if all a stew has in it is like potatoes and a tiny bit of old meat yeah like like very going to be gross. I'm
0: sure very little seasoning, very few herbs. Um, and it's, it's probably pretty thin and right. watery. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah a lot of opportunity for that to be really gross. Yeah. But I I just can't help but imagine it as like a beautiful heaping bowl of I know warm that's, rich stew.
1: Yeah, the stews that I've ever had are have always been excellent.
0: Um, and same, I mean, similar with bread. I love bread so much. I'll be baking bread as soon as we finish recording, actually. Um, and I also struggle to think about bread in the terms of the people who in these pilgrim parties are like, oh, still, we ain't had nothing but okay. <laughs> but Maggety Maggety bread, bread <laughs> for three stinking days. <laughs> um. <sighs> But I, I, I totally understand. I know stale bread is gross. Um, and I also love the super old camp food that they stumble <laughs> upon because Blade. And is, eat! And eat. all there is. Blade is taking his pilgrim party on a weird route because everything's so messed up. Because he at doesn't that point. look at a
1: map either. Blade. <laughs> <laughs> He's just wanting He's the worst possible He's
0: wizard. 14. Poor guy. <laughs> and obviously he and was prophesied to do it by the Oracle because it would have a role yeah. ultimately mm-hmm. in stopping the Pilgrim parties, but which he's, is what they asked the he, oracles about.
1: He zigzags them into the middle of nowhere.
0: <laughs> yep. Um, and Suki, is that Suki? Suki. Suki, Suki gets kidnapped um, because of the route that they go on. Um, I mean, ultimately, Blade is kidnapped as well mm-hmm. and set to fight to the death against his brother. <laughs> Saved by the dragon. Reminded me a lot of Adventure Time when uh, oh. the episode about uh, the, the Coliseum. Yeah, the yeah. Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had so many good also um, over the garden wall moments reading mm-hmm. this because okay. it made me realize that over the Garden Wall, in some ways, feels like it is the fantasy world set up for Greg and Mort to take their pilgrim party through. Like they come upon these really clear situations yeah. and like characters yeah. and like wacky and, things you know, happening. And, and there's a clear way for them to like move through it and continue going forward. And you're totally um, right. And because of like the kind of uncertain narrative nature of over the garden wall where you're like not completely certain exactly what that world is Mm -hmm. and how they're there, like whether it's mental or physical or like what might be going on. Um, I thought that that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone listening hasn't watched over the garden wall by this point, watch it, watch it immediately. It It won't take you that long. Um, Yep. So the old camp food, it's like stew that that's, has become a cake. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's been sitting in a cauldron for a year. A, and granted, the food has all been bespelled so that it won't go bad. It's still edible,
1: but I but mean, it, it's a year it old? still congealed into <laughs> a, a,
0: a, a patty. Yeah, Blade decides stew. to like slice it up yeah. and give it to people, which, yikes, that's not... Yeah, not what I want to be
1: eating. I do. Um, I do like it when um, when Scales has them milk the friendly cows and it turns into cheese.
0: So I that can, loved yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because people are complaining about being given milk, so Scales is like, "Fine, I'll just convince nature and turn <laughs> it into cheese." cheese. <laughs> yeah,
1: it made me really want like
0: creamy, fresh cheese. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. Um, I know. I'm like right now. Just give me a bowl of stew. Give me some bread. Give me a little cheese loaf, mm. cheese loaf. <laughs> I was thinking of a little, um, a little round cheese, actually, like the one that scales gives to oh,
1: Blade. Yeah, yeah, but no, like a slab of fresh bread with a slab of cheese on it, and then
0: stew. Oh my god, oh, I'm hungry. I know. Yet again, we'll put this out there. If anyone wants to finance our fantasy, our, our fantasy foods cookbook, please let us know, and also we'll pay all working. of our legal fees. <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna everything is gonna have to be like a slightly wrong version. Yeah. <laughs> Hurry pom pom. wine gins. Great. <laughs> we're gonna be a bestseller <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um yeah, we'd have to call everything like if we were making a, a 20, 21st century butter pie, we'd have to call it like creamy pastry ice cream surprise. (laughs) Creamy pastry ice cream surprise. That sounds good. That's that's
1: basically what a butter pie is. People
0: would understand it, I think. Um, Other foods of note. I wish that we... I love that Lita talks about her godlike snacks, but I wish we got more specifics more about, about, about them. Yeah. It's that kind of feeling where it's like this little tidbit is so delicious, but like mm-hmm. it's so delicious I can't possibly explain yeah. it to you. Like I'll just pop it in my mouth. Um, well, the, the oranges... The oranges, The are orange yeah. brand new for them. I loved that. Um, I loved, that was when I first started liking Dirk too, when he mm. came back and was and like, I have, I have a fruit yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. Like even with all the madness going on, he's yeah. like, here, try this fruit, just save the seeds so that we can try to plant it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, and the then I felt like he was a good dad. Yeah. yeah. Everyone is obsessed with coffee. They drink <laughs> um, it
1: like at night, almost exclusively.
0: So I'm a little worried about them. Are they obsessed with it because it comes from our world? And I think so. It's yeah. a, there's a premium for yeah. it. It's like mm-hmm. not readily available. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think that they don't really have anything. That and it seems like Dirk is
0: growing it illegally. Yeah. Also, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think everything he does is pretty illegal, mm-hmm. <laughs> based on how strict Mr. Chesney's yeah, rules are. Right. Um.
1: Oh, there is also Turkish coffee and baklava in the emir's palace
0: yeah and they have uh savory pastries that mm-hmm. sound really really good too yeah. um yeah i i appreciate the whenever Mara's like oh i'll just do an enchanted feast <laughs> like what we have 300 people fine i'll just yeah. put that together <laughs> yeah um or the fact that she like educates while giving dinner to a different pilgrim party every night yeah um it got her job sounded really she exhausting so much. and
1: she's a super powerful magic user
0: she is and she has her miniature universe Which that she, she hides, hides everyone in yeah. such a good idea yeah by the way mm-hmm. um and uh i also <laughs> I appreciate that the whole time she has to have like a sexy enchantress costume And on. her kids keep coming over and they're just like, like, Mom! Mom! Stop! Please. <laughs> and also like the other people who have to wear costumes like old Greg when he's given his tatters and he's like, I'm indecent.
1: I love old Greg. Or when he's in the garden and he's... Or supposed- old
0: George, I'm sorry. I'm saying old Greg because that's <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, that's the Mighty Boosh character. But
1: old George, old George when he's in the garden and he's supposed to be scaring the pilgrims and he's supposed to be wailing, but instead he says like, ho,
0: (laughs) ho. And then goes up to the wizard and says, I was a prince like you once.
1: (laughs) What? And the wizard like throws fire at him and then he gets upset and runs away
0: (laughs) yeah it's i really do think that the humor matches the moments of horror and Mm. um like they balance each other out really well it doesn't it never felt inappropriate it never felt like this joke shouldn't be happening right now right and like that's really impressive um obviously a diana and jones is very deft but going from yeah something like shona being assaulted and then Mm -hmm. that being handled in a really like good way yeah um that, that felt right And then it's not Ignored for the rest Of the book either mm-hmm. Like there's references To And it. it's also
1: not Focused on t- To the point where It's being like Fetishized Exactly and, you yeah. know Gratuitous
0: Yeah Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was impressed by that yeah. yeah I guess the It's not even a food But I do love The um, The Griffins Misbehaving When Mr. Chesney First comes over Oh yeah And someone brings out A barrel Picks Supposed to be beer But they- choose a pig's blood barrel instead just to like
1: freak everyone out and um, the the flying pigs start freaking out because they hear
0: they it pig's blood yeah and then yeah. he uh during shouts at them like they're from the village <laughs> you know, they're not your ancestors <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh those poor pigs they're so cute yeah okay so yum 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 pretend food we love you Now it's time to do Badass Lady Meter and then wrap up this oversized episode. How long is it? Uh, We're at an hour 11 minutes Nice, right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. Uh, Would you like to go first with your Badass Lady discussion since you said you're all prepped and ready? My Badass Lady. I mean,
1: there's so many Badass Ladies in this book, so Mm -hmm. I just picked one. And
0: uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. Uh, Just quickly when we're talking about our baddass ladies we're just picking one of our favorite female characters from the book we like to do this because we realize that that's a lot of what drew us to the books that were so mm-hmm. beloved to us yeah. when we were young um so we just like to reflect on it now that we're full-blown feminists and we're
1: reappropriating the term badass lady right. <laughs> and it just
0: means a cool lady it,
1: yeah anyone can be a badass lady doesn't matter what sex or gender you are although we usually do do traditionally female badass ladies My baddest lady is Colette and uh, my rating for her is beautiful.
0: Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Almost brings a tear to my eye. Yeah. Um yeah, I love Colette so much. She's so mm-hmm. smart. I love that she understands computers. Um even though she has like no frame of reference right? at all, yeah, and she builds all these electronic gadgets. And when someone's like, "Oh, what you you can do magic?" she like sneers at them and it's like, "No, it's just computers." Like, I just took up. She takes apart the little um, what seems to be like a BlackBerry or something. Oh yeah, um, like that, a planner. Yeah, some kind of little planner because it has a calculator, but mm-hmm. you can like keep notes in it and you can right. play video games. Yeah. <laughs> There's a one moment when all the griffins are like really immersed in the phone game, it's like the snake <laughs>
1: yeah. game that you can play <laughs> that
0: comes installed in yeah. the device, which is great. Um, yeah. And another fun touch that reminded me of moments of Howls and when Jones' Jones's other book she loves having those little moments where like our modern society kind of intersects yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it pops up in a fantasy world yeah um so my badass lady is Shona um I am impressed throughout the book by her willingness to keep going yeah, she um, gets so much of the stuff done she really does. Uh, and she's up against really awful odds. And, um, and when she, Blade
1: loses his pilgrim party in the wilderness, she's the one that's left to pick up the pieces because he's just gone.
0: Yeah. Um, and she also, during this process, learns that she is being stripped of her acceptance to bardic school Mm -hmm. to learn to be a bard which is all she's wanted to do her entire life and is her natural gift um that's music and she's also told that she can't be a bard even if she doesn't go to school like it's pretty awful it's basically being told that you can't have the thing that feels more right to you than anything else dreams don't come true exactly and i appreciate the way everyone was like um you know feeling the weight of that and, and saying like she's lost her career like mm-hmm. give her give her a moment yeah um and uh yeah still she prevails mm-hmm. figures it all out and she finds like a cool dude who she likes yeah. along the way um we didn't talk about we haven't talked about the romantic relationship in the book but i don't think That's there's okay. enough to really yeah cover there
1: it's very oblique
0: um yeah, and I just love the picture of Shona striding down in her green bardic robes yeah. into the inn where the pilgrim party is sitting and everyone's like, wow, <laughs> and this is after Blade has come in. <laughs> Weird rumpled robe and his giant beard. and They're all like, okay, okay yes, you're our wizard. wizard. <laughs> Great, this is going to be totally safe and yes. fun. Um, so I am reading Shona along an illustrious bard career where no one can tell her No. And I think that's it for our discussion of The Dark Lord of Derek Holm. Um I uh, loved rereading this. Great book. Thank you, Tim, for the request. Again, Tim. Tim. Um, and if anyone else has a request that for a book you'd like us to cover, um, something that you loved when you were young, um, that you'd like to revisit, please just get in touch with us. We are on the world wide web at dragonbabiespodcast.com are on instagram at dragonbabiespodcast or on twitter at dragonbabiespod or you can just shoot us an email directly at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com yes and also um, just let us know any other thoughts you have for the podcast uh, any, any ways you'd like for us to improve we welcome all feedback be nice though but but nice feedback please please be nice. we Welcome all feedback as long as it makes us feel good. So. Yeah, so That's exactly the kind of self uh hat yeah. on the back <laughs> cycle that we want to be caught in. Constructive criticism not welcome. <laughs> um thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate all of you yeah um, we really and, appreciate you. Guys. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll have another episode for you soon. See you again next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time,
1: goodbye.